Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Welcome to Facebook Live. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo with Faith Fellowship Church, coming to you from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky tonight. What a beautiful day we had today. I mean, uh, high 70s, low humidity, sunshine. I got a lot of painting done. It's perfect weather for painting, especially outside. I painted some doorways and stuff, and uh, really good paint. I haven't been able to get it all off of me yet. (laughs) I hope it stays on the doors as long as it stays on me. (laughs) I'll be in good shape. Hey, I found a cure for fear and frustration today. You ready? How many needs a cure for fear and frustration? Stay off of Facebook Live and quit listening to the news. (laughs) No more fear, no more frustration. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for each and every one that's out there tonight listening via Facebook Live. We thank you for each and every one of them, their lives, Lord. We thank you that they're touched by you. They're healed. They're they're whole, they're prospering, they're blessed in the house and blessed in the field. We thank you, Father, for revelation knowledge tonight. Thank you for the word that's about to come forth. We ask that you give us understanding, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that can believe and receive. And we thank you for it in advance, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Last week, we started talking about the love walk and walking in love. We talked about the different kinds of love and The main love is the love of God that's been shed abroad in our heart. And we determined that it's a a word from the Greek language called agape. And it's the God kind of love. It's the highest degree, highest kind of love that you can possibly have. And uh, with that being said, uh, turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. I want to read verses 34 and 35. This is uh, Jesus talking. If you have a red letter edition Bible, this word should be in red. He says, a new commandment I give unto you. Well, they already had 10 commandments and then all the laws that went along with the 10 commandments. But he's saying a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So it's our love walk that determines whether or not we're his disciples. And this is what other people can see in us as well. And Jesus is very clear about this new commandment. He didn't say this is a new suggestion I give unto you. He didn't say this is a recommendation. He said this is a new commandment. This is something that we're commanded to do. And that is to love one another as he has loved us. And he's also very clear about how we're to love one another. He said, as I have loved you. And how did he love us? Was it a natural love? Was it a selfish love? A conditional love? No. The love of God is actually indescribable. The love he has for us is really indescribable. We don't even have words in the English language that would do justice to the depth of God's love towards us. And the Bible describes his love, but again, it's limited to the definition of the words that we have in the English language. And we always fall short when it comes to trying to describe God's love because 
We don't have English words that are equivalent to that love. And we learned last Wednesday that when the Bible speaks of the love of God, it's always talking about agape love. It's talking about the highest kind of love. It means a spontaneous and divine love, an unconditional, unselfish love. And that's the kind of love that God loves us with. We can't even imagine or comprehend that type of love. And when you study God's love in the Bible, it's an overwhelming subject. I mean, there is so much that the Bible has to say about the love of God that I doubt if anyone has ever even come close to fully comprehending it or even exhausting the subject. And there's probably no greater description of God's love than that which we find in John 3.16, a very familiar verse of scripture. Uh, you see it at ball games, somebody hold up a sign that says John 3.16. Probably nobody in the crowd knows what it means unless they're a Christian, but they hold it up anyway. And, and uh, uh, it's, it says this, for this is how God loved, agape that's the word agape, this is how God agape the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. And I know it's only one sentence, 20-something words, and yet that one sentence is packed with so much revelation truth that we can probably never exhaust uh uh, this verse or, or preach too much on it or get everything out of it with all the teaching in the world. And I know for a fact thousands of sermons have been preached from this text. I've preached several myself. Countless studies have been done on the greatness of God's love. And yet with all the sermons and all the studying that has been done on the subject of God's love, there's one thing I'm pretty sure of. No one has ever been able to comprehend the fullness of God's love towards us. That's how much God loves us. And one thing I know for sure is the fact that God's love is unconditional. There's no conditions on God's love. He loves us without reservation. He takes nothing into consideration when he pours his love out on us. And we know from last Wednesday that God's love was poured out to the ungodly multitudes. That's what that word world means in John 3:16. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, which means the ungodly multitude, those that were alienated from God and hostile towards the cause of Christ. So he loved people that were hostile towards him. He loved people that uh, were ungodly that didn't love him. And I can't fathom why he would love a world like that, let alone die for it. And Romans 5, 7, and 8 says this in the New Living Translation. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners, while we were yet the ungodly multitude, while we were yet hostile towards the cause of Christ, God sent his son. And the fact that God could love the ungodly world makes his love even more mysterious to us. And, and we're talking about an ungodly world that failed to recognize its maker. John 1.10 and 11 says, He came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, the Jews, and even they rejected him. I mean, this is the world that God decided to pour his love on. 
And uh, I mean, who would want to pour their love on a world like this, on a people like that? God, that's who. And, uh, you know, I guess the world is lucky that I ain't God because I'd put conditions on it. And uh, I know you would, too. We, we have a hard time loving the way that God loves because we have other thoughts about people and we consider other things. And yet God never considered any of that stuff. He didn't consider the mess we were in or the mess we were. He just decided to love us. He made a choice to love us. And that proves to me that God's love is unconditional. It's not based on our spiritual condition or our moral behavior. It isn't based on our attitude towards him. He loves us in spite of all this. And God's love for mankind is universal as well as unconditional. He loves everyone. And, and this is one of the things that sets him apart from every other religion. You know, all the different religions in the world and scholars have debated over the years and teachers debated over the years the difference between Christianity and other religions and uh, what is it that separates Christianity and makes it so unique comparing it to other religions. And I know one of the things that sets us apart is we have a resurrected Savior. Our, our Savior is alive and well. He's seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he'll come again in great glory to receive us unto himself. And uh, no other religion promises that. Now, there's some religions that promise uh, afterlife or something like that, but it's not really a resurrection like our uh, Christianity promises us. And uh, Christianity is set apart not only because of the resurrection, but also because God is love. And I didn't say God loves, I said God is love. He's the epitome of love. He is love himself. And, and uh, another word for that love is grace. And God's grace comes free of charge with no strings attached. And no other religion can make that claim. And I've noticed that's one of the things that sets us apart as well as the resurrection. Uh, Buddhists follow an eight, eightfold path to enlightenment. And there's no grace there. Uh, Hindus believe in karma, that your actions continually affect the way that the world will treat you, and there is nothing that comes to you that wasn't initiated or set in motion by your own behavior and your own actions. There's no grace there. And then even God's chosen people, the Jews, have a set of laws, the Ten Commandments, and, and, and that implies that God has requirements for people uh, to be acceptable to him. In other words, if you don't meet these demands, if you don't obey these Ten Commandments, you won't be acceptable in my sight. And, uh, of course, these are the old Orthodox Jews that haven't realized that Jesus is the Messiah yet. But uh, And then there's Islam that believes God is a God of judgment and uh, not a God of love. And you must live to appease and pacify him by meeting all of his demands. If you don't, you won't be accepted. And only Christianity dares to proclaim that God's love is unconditional, an unconditional love that we call grace and, and a grace that accepts us just the way that we are. No strings attached. We don't have to do anything in order for God to love us. He chooses to love us. And we boldly proclaim that grace really has very little to do with what we think or how we behave. Uh, but rather, grace is all about God freely giving us the gifts of forgiveness, mercy, love, kindness, and no strings attached to it. And God's love is not a natural love, but a supernatural love. 
And if you ever try to walk in it, you're going to realize that it's far from being natural. It is supernatural. And we can't walk in it in our own abilities. That's why Paul told us in Romans that the love of God, the very love of God, agape love, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So when you got born again, God gave you a good dose of agape love. He placed it in your heart. And sometimes in order to love certain people, we have to reach down inside of us and pull up this agape love, this God kind of love, this unconditional love, and love them by faith and love them with that kind of love. But God proved his love by the sacrifice of Jesus, by the sacrifice of his own son. And God doesn't love us because we could do something for him. That would be a conditional love. I love you if you do so and so and such and such. No, he doesn't love us because we can do something for him because there's really nothing we can do for God. But he loves us because he wanted to do something for us. That's what gapi love is. That's what true love is. You want to serve and you want to do things for other people. And when you give to someone out of your excess, in other words, you're extra, you've got extra and so you give to somebody, that's great, that's noble, that's commendable. But when you give the only one you have, that's quite another thing, that's even more noble. And uh, you know, it's like the widow with the two mites. Now there was people putting into that offering at the temple all day, great amounts of money and, and wealth and this uh, widow puts in two little mice, but Jesus said that she gave more than everyone else gave combined. Why? Because they gave out of their excess. They gave out of what they had extra, and she gave out of her necessity. She gave everything that she had, and so that makes a big difference to God. And so, you know, if you had two vehicles, for example, you had two cars, you might consider giving one to someone that didn't have one. I know my wife and I have done this many times. I think we gave four cars away. And I'm not talking about cars that are ready for the junkyard. I'm talking about four well-maintained, good cars, and we gave them away free of charge. But if, we were, if, uh, if you were to give them the only vehicle you had, that would be seen as something above and beyond. That is even above uh, and beyond being noble that would be considered a real sacrifice. Why? Because you gave out of your necessity and now you're going to start walking. So that's a real sacrifice. You know, it would be easier for you to give a car away if you had a backup, if you had a second car. It's much easier to give that, that one car away. But God didn't have a backup. God didn't have another son. God had one son. And he loved us so much that he was willing to give us the only son that he had. And, and that's hard to understand in human terms. It's hard to comprehend when you're thinking of in, in human terms of love. But God revealed his love to us through the person of Jesus Christ, his only son. Jesus came into this world to reveal to us the love of God in human form. I mean, how else could we comprehend the love of God unless somebody demonstrated it to us? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He demonstrated it in his walk. He walked in love. He showed us what a love walk looks like. And then he went to the cross and died for us, the ultimate sacrifice of love. And, and so uh, he's no longer in human form to do that or to demonstrate that. So Paul said that he shed his love abroad in our hearts so that we could do the same thing. Jesus is a personable God. I don't want to say he was because he still is. He's a personable God. He's a God that you can get to know 
on a personal level. He's a God that will come down here and fellowship with you in the spirit. He's a God that will walk with you. He'll talk with you. He'll feel your pain. He'll, he'll feel your sorrow. He'll have compassion on you. He's a personable God. And that's exactly how he wants us to be to other people. He wants us to be personable. He wants us to love other people as he has loved us. Hallelujah. So the lost world will never feel the love of God unless they feel it through us. It has to be demonstrated to the world. You know, Jesus came down here to demonstrate the Father's love for us. And, and that's why he told us now to love one another and love your neighbor as yourself. Why? So that we can demonstrate the love of God through us. And, you know, when you do people good and you do people right, uh, and you love them in spite of themselves, and you don't place conditions on their love, then you're showing them the love of God. You're loving them the way that God loved you. And that's why he said that by this, all men shall know that you're my disciples. You are followers of me. And, you know, God, he said himself that uh, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that everybody should uh, repent and uh, not perish but have everlasting life, have eternal life. And he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. I don't want anyone to go to hell. I'm sure you don't want anyone to go to hell. And that's why he sent Jesus, and that's why Jesus came. Uh, the only reason anyone would have to go to hell is because they'll, they choose to go to hell. It's a choice that they have to make. Uh, it's the same kind of choice that you do to walk in love or, or not walk in love. And I know it sounds crazy that anybody would choose to go to hell, but uh, people choose uh, Satan over God, sin over righteousness, wrong over right, darkness over light, and they do it every day, all the time. It's God's will that uh, we believe in his son and choose eternal life so that we don't perish and, and we don't wind up in hell. Uh, but God will never go against our will. If we choose to reject him, if we choose to deny him, uh, he's so uh, adamant about giving us a free will that he'll let us will ourselves right into hell. That's not his will, but if that's our will, he'll let us go. So the choice is always up to us. Now, last week I asked everyone to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Don't raise your hand or anything. But I want to read it again today, uh, verse by verse, and I want to make a few comments about it. Let's start out 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 4, and I'm reading in the Amplified uh, Classified Edition. And verse 4 starts out saying, now again, uh, this is not really the definition of love. This is how love behaves. This is what love does. And it starts out by saying, love endures long and is patient and kind endures long and, and is patient and kind and i've noticed over the years uh, some people endure but they're not patient and kind while they're doing it and they hang in there and they stay they they endure uh, whatever it is they're going through but everyone can tell that they're going through something and if you're really walking in love and you're going through something you're enduring something a test or a trial People shouldn't be able to tell by the way you act or the way or the look on your face that you're going through something. You should be the same all the time. You should have a, a good countenance all the time so that people can't tell if you're fasting. People can't tell if you're going through hell and high water. Uh, because of your love walk, 
You, you're the same all the time. You're patient and kind all the time. And on the other hand, some people don't endure very long at all. They endure for a little while, and then the pressure gets to be too great, and they just blow up. They lose their patience, and along with it, they lose their kindness, and, and then they say and do things that are uh, not very loving. Uh, but thank God, God's kind of love endures long and is patient and kind. When you're walking in agape love, God's kind of love, the kind of love that's already been shed abroad in your heart, and you're pulling up and you're walking by faith, you'll always be thoughtful of other people's feelings. And, and you'll not only endure, but you'll endure with patience and kindness. Nobody's going to even be able to tell that you're enduring something. That's God's kind of love. And then it says, love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. And, you know, natural human love, carnal love, the fickle kind of love that most people walk in, is jealous and envious because it's based on feelings. And it's, it's really selfish because uh, somebody's always afraid you're going to get something of theirs or you're going to get something that they want and don't even have. And, and it, it gets envious over that. It gets jealous. It boils over. And uh, it's not patient and kind. It's not calm and trusting because true love is exactly that. It's patient, kind, it's calm, it's trusting, it doesn't get suspicious. You know, a lot of people say, well, uh, I have a spirit of discernment. And, and most of the time, it's a spirit of suspicion. And uh, love isn't like that. It doesn't get envious. It doesn't get jealous. It doesn't boil over. And then verse 5 says, it is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride, it is not rude or unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love behaves a certain way. And, and then it says, love, God's love in us, agape love, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It's not selfish. It's not looking for what I could get out of something. It's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no att attention to a suffered wrong. You know, somebody does you wrong and you don't even pay any attention to it. That's God's love working in you. But there are some people that insist on their rights. Well, I have something to say and bless God, I'm going to say it. It's my right. I'm going to have my say and I'm not going to be denied. But you know what? Just because you have a right to say something doesn't mean that it should be said. And because what you usually have to say with an attitude like that is going to be hurtful or even harmful to the person that you say it to. So yes, you have a right to say it, but it might not be right to say it. Romans 13.10 says, Love works no ill, no hurt to its neighbor. And remember he said that we need to love our neighbor as ourselves and love is the fulfillment of the law it's the fulfillment of all the commandments we you know the uh, old testament the jews had the 10 commandments and then 652 other commandments that went along with the 10 and they had to obey them all and jesus says you got one new commandment he says if you obey this you'll fulfill all the law of the old testament all the 10 commands will be fulfilled because if you love your brother and love your neighbor as yourself, 
You won't commit murder. You won't covet your neighbor's wife. You won't do all the things that's listed in the Ten Commandments because love would not behave like that. So if you walk in love and you behave like love is supposed to behave, you don't have to worry about the commandments or, or any of the laws or anything like that because you'll be fulfilling them through your love walk. Here's something interesting. Exodus 15, 26. This is the first time that God revealed himself as our healer. He said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes, he wouldn't allow any of the diseases on you that he allowed on the Egyptians. And then he said, for I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that heals you. Why? If because you're obeying all his commands, you're obeying his statutes, you're walking in love. Uh, and he also made another promise in Exodus 23, 25. And every time we pray over our meal, we mention this promise. He said, if we would serve the Lord our God, he will bless our food and water and take sickness from our midst. And I don't know how you feel about it, but especially if you eat in a restaurant, you need to pray this kind of prayer <laughs> and pray that the Lord will take sickness from your midst and bless your food and water. In other words, he'll bless your food, your table. And, uh, well, what if they did what he said and obeyed his commandment and obeyed his statutes? What would he do? He would heal them just like he promised them. He said, if you obey my commands and obey my statutes, he said, I will be the Lord that heals you. And so if they did what he said to do, then he would do what he said he would do and he would heal them. He would bless their food and water and he would take sickness away from the midst of them. But now let's bring this same passage of Scripture into the New Testament. We're still talking about uh, following and obeying commandments and obeying commands and statutes. So if we bring this into the New Testament, the new commandment, the new statute, would be that we love our brothers and sisters and we love our neighbor as ourselves. That's our commandment. If we obey that commandment and we fulfill that commandment, then he will become the Lord that heals us. He'll become the Lord that heals you. He will bless our food and water, and he will take sickness from our midst. Why? Because we're so great? No, because he's so great, and because he said if we obey his commandment, which is walking in love, then he will be the Lord that heals us. He will take sickness from our midst. And, and I mean, that's the New Testament commandment for us. Uh, it's the same as the Old Testament, except it's we don't have the Ten Commandments. We just have the one. And a lot of us are not experienced divine healing in our lives. And this is one of the reasons that we're not. It might not be the reason, but it's one of the reasons that we're not. It's because we're not walking in love and we're not obeying the New Testament commandment. So he can't be the Lord that heals us. He can't uh, be the Lord that blesses our food and water and takes sickness from our midst. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. My wife and I were in situations where... We wanted to have our say, and we had plenty to say, and we would have been within our rights to speak our mind and, and defend ourselves, but the love of God constrained us, and we held our peace. I mean, we could have spoke up and had our say. We could have sought justification for ourselves, and, and we could have destroyed an already strained relationship, perhaps closed the door to any kind of future reconciliation or restoration, and maybe even the loss of a soul. So, you know, yes, we had a right to say things. We had a right to defend ourselves. 
but the price would have been too great. And so uh, God's love in us, again, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking, it is not selfish. So there's times, even though you're right, and even though you have every right to defend yourself, that it would be better to just keep your mouth closed and walk in love. And I can remember times that we've even done wrong by other ministers. And uh, one in particular said some things that weren't true about us and even slandered our character. And uh, it got back to us and we had every right to defend ourselves and question that minister, but we didn't. And uh, then another minister called us and was going to have that minister come into their church and hold some meetings. And uh, we wanted to tell them, don't do it. Uh, this person is lacking in integrity and uh, they'll probably just talk behind your back and stuff. But we didn't. We kept our mouths shut and only because it would have done damage to that minister uh, if we said anything. Although they deserved it, we didn't want to make that minister look bad or be a part of their downfall. And so we held our tongues. We kept our mouths shut. And we knew if that minister needed to be revealed, that God would reveal that minister. And we also knew if they continued to operate like that, you know, just based on the law of sowing and reaping, they would never be successful because God would see to it that they weren't. So love worketh no ill, brings no harm to anyone. And that's exactly what it means. That's a good example of it. Even when they deserve it, we chose to walk in love because we don't like being sick. <laughs> And we don't, uh, we want to live without sickness and disease. We want the Lord to continue to be our healer and we want the Lord to continue to bless our food and water and take sickness from our midst. So love is not self-seeking. In other words, love is not selfish. Uh, for God so loved the world that he kept Jesus to himself. No, he gave. And uh, selfishness is a terrible thing. It destroys relationships. It destroys marriages, families, businesses, churches. And, and that's another good reason to be a tither. It takes the selfishness out of you. If you're a tither, you can't be selfish. I'm going to tell you. And then verse 5 goes on to say, Love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a a suffered wrong, excuse me. <clears throat> this is one of the main ways to measure your love walk. If you want to see whether or not you're walking in love, uh, check yourself, see if you're touchy or fretful or resentful for, towards people. Because if you are, uh, if you take into account an evil that was done to you or somebody did you wrong and you're paying attention to it, you're holding a grudge or uh, it, it's something that you're not happy with. And, and if you're like that, then you're not walking in love. You need to check your love walk. And uh, if you're walking in love, you won't take these things into account. You, the, the Bible says you won't even pay any attention to them. Again, it's not easy, but it's possible. And the Bible tells us that we were enemies of God. We did him wrong. And yet God never took account of the evil done to him. God loved us. He never paid attention to the suffered wrong that he, or to the wrong that he suffered. And if we would walk in this God kind of love and get into, get it into other people by sharing Jesus with them, we could change the world around us for sure, and especially in our own families. Verse six says, "Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail." 
In other words, when somebody gets blessed, you get blessed. When somebody gets happy, you get happy. Somebody gets something, you don't get jealous over it. You rejoice with them. And then verse 7 says, Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. You know, some people think they just can't take any more. But love can. God's love can. And I just can't put up with them anymore. Uh, love can. Love can put up with them. And, and think about it. God's been putting up with you and me. He's been putting up with all of us. What if he said that I've taken all that I can stand? We'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? So that's selfish, human, natural love. And that's not the kind of love that we're to walk in. God's love can bear anything. Verse 7 said, Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. So natural human love has a tendency to believe the worst of every person. Uh, I know he won't keep that job. He's never been able to keep any job. He can't hold a good job down. He'll probably get fired. She'll never pass that test. She's too dumb. She don't put in enough study. Uh, you know, always ready to believe the worst about somebody. But God's love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Husband, wife, children, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends. Always ready to believe the best of every person. Always tries to find the best in every person. And we need to surround people with faith and love. You know, when you're digging for gold, you can you come across all kinds of dirt and stuff, but you need to ignore the dirt. Just keep digging till you find the gold. And that's what it is with people, the way it is with people. We need to find the gold. Everybody's got some gold in them. Don't pay any attention to the dirt and the rocks that come up. Just find the gold. Uh, Jesus said, if you seek, you'll find. So you're going to find what you're looking for. So you might as well be looking for the best in everybody. Uh, families are failing because people won't walk in this kind of love. Uh, they won't believe the best of their spouses, the best of their children. And if we surround them with love, uh, this kind of love, God's kind of love, instead of doubt and unbelief, then things will be different. But when we always see the worst in everyone, especially our children, we tell them, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. You're dumb. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know what? They're going to start believing it and they will live up to what you say. So if you're going to, if you expect them to live up to what you say, say something good about them. And even though they missed it, even though they messed up, surround them with faith and love. Believe and speak the best over them and it will bring out the best in them and they'll succeed in life. Number eight, and I'm getting ready to close here. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. If you walk in love, you'll never fall because love never fails. You'll never fail because love never fails. As for prophecy, uh, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. In other words, Paul is telling us everything else is going to fail, but love will never fail. Love is perfect, but it's not made perfect in us yet. God wants it to be, 
but it's not there yet. It's something that we have to work on every day. Your love walk is something that you have to work on every single day. When you open your eyes in the morning, you're going to have a challenge that day, and you're going to have to work on that love walk until you get it perfected. Uh, but maybe tonight you you notice some things through this teaching where you might be lacking a little bit or something that you can improve on. And again, just like uh, last week where I said, uh, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified edition. Uh, you can read it in any edition, but I think the Amplified explains it the best, what we read tonight. But read it every single day. See if it points to things in your life that you need to work on. And, and don't get overwhelmed by it. But just take one thing at a time. The first thing that, the, that pops up to you, the first thing that the Lord emphasizes as you're reading it, that's the one thing that you need to work on. And when you get that uh, perfected, then move on to the next thing. I mean, uh, we didn't get this way overnight, and we're not going to be able to walk in God's love overnight. But we can work on it every day. We can make improvements every day until we're walking in that kind of love that's patient and kind doesn't consider a suffered wrong. All the things that we study tonight. Walking in love, again, is not easy, but it is possible. It's going to take a lot of work, though. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. You're a wonderful God, a wonderful Savior. We thank you for your unselfish and indescribable love. We thank you, Father, for the, uh, the fact that you love us in spite of ourselves. You love us unconditionally. And God, you have given that love into our hearts. You shed it abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And we ask God in the coming days and weeks that it begin to come up stronger and stronger. And every time we have an opportunity to walk out of love, God, that you would prompt us by your spirit and get us back into our love walking. Help us to show people the love of Christ that is inside of us. We thank you and praise you for it. Give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Facebook family. It was good to be with you again tonight. Uh, we'll see you Sunday. Uh, we played a song last Sunday, and uh, uh, Facebook edited it or knocked it out, so I don't know if we'll be able to play a song for you this week. But either way, between 10.45 and 11, we will be tuning in, and uh, we'll at least get the message to you if, if we can't get anything else to you. So God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Sunday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.